This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined uh, virtually by uh, our, our buddies, David Moore. Hi, David. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing great, David. It's always great to greet Good. you on our podcast. You too. You as well, Kevin. Yeah. And then Kevin Grant. Hello, Hi, everybody. Evan. How are you? <laughs> Look at Just so forced. Look at, yeah, Evan feigning uh, joviality here. Well, you always told me that I paused too long, so I tried to be quicker this time. Evan, we just think that that's just a part of your uh, mental makeup, is that you have to pause like that before you can respond. I, I was born and raised in Georgia. <laughs> There's your governor there. He's got Speaking it going Georgia on. Georgia those beaches. Let's see. Yeah. Get them out there. Get them out there. I've been to the Georgia beaches. Ain't no reason to open those babies. <laughs> I was no? gonna say. Oh, man. Come on. You're right down there by the Redneck Riviera. It is. No. There ain't. No. No, it's not as good. The Redneck Riviera is the panhandle. We're, we're down there by Jacksonville. Yeah. You don't like that as much? The, the Georgia coast is very short, and there, there, there's not a lot of great beaches there but whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, uh, this little thing that has us all uh, at home and sheltering in place uh, and the prospects of what's going to happen now. So, Evan, I wanted to throw it to you and let you tell us uh, what MLB is doing. We know that, of course, I guess if we can give a little brief rundown, uh, that, uh, that the PGA Tour has already uh, proposed opening up uh, at Colonial in uh, in june uh and that should be the first major uh sporting event to come back online i i'm gonna i'm gonna leave the wwe or whatever that mess is that evan follows out i don't count anything they do um but the mlb uh is uh it looks like that maybe something is percolating there evan so why don't you give us a rundown on that well, I mean, I think that the uh, the same thing that goes that's been going on with the NHL and the NBA is they're, they've thrown out a number of potential scenarios for when and how they might start. Um, and right now, it, it it amounts mostly to brainstorming. Uh, there's, uh, I think, until uh, until you ramp up the number of tests that you're doing around the country, um, and we can get into more of that. Uh, and until we start to see what happens over the next two weeks as, as states open up their, uh, their businesses and their economies, I don't think you'll have a, a definitive solution from MLB. But there have been three primary um, uh, or 
three or four primary scenarios discussed. And, and basically what's happened is they kind of follow the idea that the country is opening up because initially it was, well, let's put all 30 teams in Arizona. Then a day, then there was the possibility of let's put teams that are in Arizona, in Arizona for spring training, teams that train in Florida, we'll put them there. A couple days after that, then they were talking about 10 teams in Florida, 10 teams in Arizona, 10 teams in Texas. And now where it seems to have settled is you're probably going to opt, if you're going to play baseball, it's going to be with the idea that these players are not quarantined. I don't think that players will go for a situation in which they are away from their families uh, and isolated from them for four and a half months or longer. And so the idea would be that as these states open up, what you would do is you would play games in home ballparks all around the big leagues in states where a that's allowed and b it, it, it's considered safe uh and that would also leave you the pie in the sky possibility that if come july or august uh and we see a significant downturn in cases uh and a ramp up in testing maybe there would be some ability to bring some small level of fans into parks, 25, 30%, maybe 40%, something like that. Um, but that's that, that would be down the road. Uh, but I do think that, that baseball is working towards the idea that they're going to play this year. All of that could change this month, though. Okay, a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, uh, did not John Daniels say recently, uh, I think he was quoting somebody else, but the of all the ideas that you we've heard and have, and have been reported, which is really only about three or four case scenarios, he said that probably represents about one percent of all the ideas that have been discussed. Uh, yeah, Daniel said the other day on a conference call that uh, you know of, of the ideas that we've that have been quote unquote reported publicly. Um, Stan Caston made the remark, the Dodgers president made the remark that about that's about one percent. Stan is also noted for his sarcasm and wit, but yeah, I, I think there's been far more discussed than we have actually been able to get to the bottom of. But I, I just think, Kevin, what you're seeing on the plans is that everything gets expanded more and more. The, the, the number of places that they're, gonna, that they're considering to play is growing, and I think it's to the point where they're saying, if the country is gonna be opened up, why don't we open up and, and play in home ballparks uh, to accommodate all these teams and their players? So you think that goes beyond the regional hubs? Or do you think it would start out as regional hubs and then grow from there as more states go back online? You know, David, I think that's certainly a possibility. I think that you could, in some regards, have some kind of, of um, melding of various scenarios that we've we've already discussed out there and um <clears throat> i think you could you know if, if if it was a spring training situation that started out with all teams in arizona or all teams in arizona and florida and they were under strict isolation for three weeks out there i think players would go for that but they're not going to go for a full season um uh would it make some sense to do think some things regionally for a while uh, if you wanted to limit some travel yes but if you're getting on an airplane, does it matter if you're on an airplane for an hour or does it matter if you're on an airplane for four hours? So uh, I, those are all the things that they, they're going to have to work through. 
and we haven't gotten to the biggest issue, which I think is you've got, if you're going to play baseball um, and you're convinced you can do it safely, that's great. But that involves a lot of testing and you can't play baseball or any sports and have tests readily available for your players and your staffers anytime you want and not have them available for the general public. Yeah, I just think that uh, when you try to think these things through, um, I, I think that's where it all becomes so difficult for me. I know that Dr. Uh, Fauci had said, I believe, in, uh, to the New York Times the other day, that he just doesn't see how it's possible to have these events with fans. Uh, because you can say all you want to, that, okay, we're going to allow you know, 25 or 30 or 40% of the fans to come in the park. Okay, that's if you get them all in, and when they're coming in line, and they're standing in the ticket lines, and you spread them out, and and uh, and then you get them into the park, and you usher them in, it's like a you know it'd be like a, a children's birthday party. If you get them all in in order, and then what do you do? They got to go to the restroom at some point. They got to go to the concession stands at some point. What are they going to do then? It's hard to get in and out of a bathroom before all this happened without getting contaminated by something. Much less now when there are real dangers involved. And I think this is the, this is the issue for me uh, is that I just, I cannot envision any scenario uh, short of, uh, well, I, I don't think there is any scenario this year because as we know, there will be a second wave of all this at some point and it may not be as great as the first, um, but there, something will happen. And I, I don't, I just don't see any way that you can get fans in parks in any sport this year. I think that you can you can have events if you want to. You can certainly do what they're going to do at Colonial, which, you know, is going to ramp up in, in June, and they're going to have that golf tournament, which is a lot easier to do with golfers than it is than anything else. It's pretty much a non-contact sport, the way I, although the way I played golf, it was is probably close to that, uh, be non-contact with the ball. But anyway, um, the the idea that you can do this just seems like, you know, it reminds me of a, of a time I went to spend the weekend in a friend's house when I was in the fifth grade, and we said we were going to build a go-kart, which would have been fine, but except for the fact that we didn't have A, a motor, or B, a cart, and C, we didn't know anything about how to build either. So that, that's what this all seems like to me. I, I just don't I, – I, I think it's just all pie in the sky. I, the logistics of trying to ramp all this up at every single game, trying to keep everything in line and keep everybody distanced – you know, uh, and, and to make this all happen. I mean, at the malls now, the idea is when they open up is that they're taking away all the seating areas. They don't want people sitting down. You know, the deal is keep everybody moving. You can you can come here, but you got to pass on through, pal. You can't you can't be loitering around and and uh, and 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 passing out stuff to people. So I, I really feel like this is going to be difficult uh, or beyond difficult to do. I think it's going to be impossible to do. So I think the next case is, so th do, do you go ahead and do this just merely to have the guys play? I think that's certainly, a, I think that is a possibility, but it is going to require so much testing to do. And that's going to be the issue for me because we know and what the numbers are. And so then David, you, when we were talking earlier, you had cited some numbers. Give us some ideas of what that would require and what people are, and what how many tests have been run so far. Well, I think uh, I mean last I saw the the numbers that have been run in the U.S. total is 5.7 million since this began. So you're going back into late February, early March. Only 5.7 million tests. It, to, to put it regionally, uh, one percent of all Texans have been tested 
for coronavirus. And the app, you know, I think the, the highest single day of testing in the U.S. to this point came last week. It was April 22nd. It was 314,000 people were tested in a single day in the U.S. So go from that to having, and we're not just talking baseball here. We're talking potentially NBA and NHL to finish their seasons while baseball gets underway. So all of these sports franchises back in place all of them once everyone has to come back they're going to be given a, a serotology test as part of their physical which will determine if they've had COVID-19 before uh if they've built up an immunity all of that so you'll so you'll have some accurate numbers on who is who have had it but then you're going to have to test daily for a while with all of these sports teams and and everyone who comes in contact with them every day and get immediate returns because then you have to you have to control the environment. Now, from what I've read, after you get that up, after a period of doing that, you don't have to test daily. But initially, when you come back, you will. So now we're talking about all of these tests with immediate results for a country that is only testing 314,000 people a day at the top end so far. So, again, what are the optics on that? And so, you know, what right, you were saying, I mean, as far as the fans, look, just like, like Texas is coming back, we're going to like phase one of reopening on Friday, then we'll move to phase two. The final, however many phases you want to put on it for all the sports, the final phase is letting fans back in. Uh, there's a lot you have to get in place to do before that even happens, and that will be the absolute final phase. So then, uh, to, but the starting point at this moment uh, doesn't mesh with what uh, the technology and the testing would allow any of these sports leagues to do. No, but let me, let, let's say this. Uh, Texas is opening movie theaters and restaurants uh, to 25% capacity as of Friday. Um, and I believe that the plan there would be that that will be a two or three week period before you would go to phase two. Yes. In, in all 50%. Like 50% capacity. Yep. Um, and that's the middle of May. And I don't think you would see baseball players take a field for spring training until June 1. And, I, and, and my point here is I think that the, the, the scenario or, or the, the situation on the ground is rapidly changing. Um, as these states open. Now, it could be scaled way back if, if we see any kind of spike. Um, but if things go as according to plan for these states, I think by, you know, by, the, by the middle of June, you're going to see the possibility that most of these places are operating at close to 100%. Um, I don't think that baseball in any scenario would look to bring fans into stadiums initially. I think in a best case scenario, it would be we'll, we'll start the season and then potentially get fans. Do I think it's, it's doable? Listen, I think that there's a lot of challenges just with restaurants and movie theaters opening in the state. Um, Let me ask you this. Who's going to the movies now? I don't know anybody that's going to the movies. I, Maybe people didn't I, go to the movies before. You know? I don't know anybody who's going to, you know, Hair, hair salons and tattoo parlors either, but. Um, Which is why a lot of the movie companies are saying, no, we're not going to open back up on Friday. 
Oh, I don't know why. They, I don't know why they would. Uh, and I, yeah. I talked to three restaurateurs in Dallas who are all opening up, and they've got fairly big establishments, and they're opening up on Friday, and their reservations are all taken. So um, there are people who are going out. I'm not going to sit here and judge whether that's right or wrong. Um, but I just want to go back to the testing for one second here. And I just did some rudimentary numbers. And if you figure that there's associated with every team, 250 per personnel, 25 players, a 25 man um, reserve squad, uh, double that for, for staff. And then um, whatever you want to include media uh, support staff and so on. Let's say that on the high end, there's 250 people per organization, 30 organizations. That's 7,500 tests a day. That's doable. Um, and I, is it, does it tax the system? I don't know. Um, but you would be talking about test If you're testing every major league baseball player uh, and everybody associated with MLB, with MLB, even every day, you'd be talking about over the course of 150 days, a little over a million, uh, about a million and a quarter tests that you'd have to run. Is it, it, It's doable, um, but it still comes down to, are you now taking tests out of the hands of people who are having symptoms or who need these tests? And that's something I don't think baseball can address just yet. Not cer <clears throat> certainly not from a standpoint of, uh just looking humane i mean that that's the that's the issue here is you, you don't want to look like hey we're more important than you are right. so therefore we get these tests we're elevating uh, our safety above yours for your entertainment so deal with it right yeah that's uh, a, i think that's that's a that's a uh, a bad uh, image there i don't think you want to do that. some bad optics uh so l l let me ask this evan when you came up with that number 250 that sounds a little light to me because uh, even if fans aren't in the ballpark, you got to still have everybody there running the ballpark, right? You got to have everybody there who, I, I guess, maybe if they're not coming coming in contact with anybody else, I, I, could, I don't you know. You wouldn't need like you you know you wouldn't need game day support staff like concessions or, or no or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and even if you go up from that, I'm I'm talking about fifty players, fifty coaches. Uh, massage therapists, uh, so forth and so on, and then another 150 people per organization for media and, and that, that essential staff. Could it be light? Yeah, it could be. I, but I, I still think you're, you, even on the highest of sides, I think you're talking about, you know, under 10,000 tests all across the country per day. And I don't think it is I think based on where the system is and how tests are getting ramped up, even though the, even though it appears that test, testing is getting ramped up more slowly than we would like to see, I think that adding 10,000 tests over the course of a day across the country in another month is not going to be an undue burden on the system. Well, let's, let's talk about something else that uh, has is coming up now and it's coming up this fall uh, certainly uh, and that's uh, uh, football uh, or at least everybody hopes that football is coming up this fall um, and and we've heard a, a, a lot of discussion about whether you can actually have these games without fans what would football be like without fans I, I don't think anybody would question the fact that that uh, when you're in a, a stadium full of a hundred thousand people that's that's quite an event uh, to to put forth, um, but 
you know, if you if they cannot play college football this fall, uh, and I, and I've seen some of the quotes from administrators across the country about this in, in college football. Uh, boy, there are going to be some serious repercussions because these athletic budgets are not built on sustainable models. Uh, where it's not like they've got you know uh, money in reserve. You know, basically that they live year to year on these kind of things, and even then they're not really in the black. Most of them are in the red anyway. There's just a precious few that are that are making money and 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 those are obviously just the ones in power five conferences uh and not even all of those uh so uh if if they can't play football this fall i think we're going to see some things really serious happen i think we're going to see programs eliminated uh, we've, we've already seen some of that uh what you're going to see programs eliminated you're going to see coaching salaries uh sliced and diced um you're going to see some serious consideration for what can we do to, uh, to to fend for ourselves here? And this comes all in the middle of the NCAA coming out just recently and saying, hey, you know what, we're going to make some uh, funds available to these players. They can make some money off their likenesses and images and all that kind of thing, which which that money's not being – that money's not coming from the NCAA or their institutions, and so that, that, that won't cost the NCAA anything to do that. But uh, I just think it's interesting that all the, the timing and confluence of events here that – if these, if these, uh, if football doesn't come back, there are going to be some really serious issues that reach far beyond just this year. Well, what there are already some schools talking about having to some of their other sports programs, they will just have to allow uh, to go away because uh, of not having the football money, and how that props up some other elements of the. Uh, of the athletic programs at all these universities. And again, there's such a split here too. I mean, some, some universities have, have gone out there and have said, we, you know, we don't know that there are going to be fall classes that right now we're preparing for it to be online while other universities have gone out and said, no, we're planning on everyone coming back in the fall and that's how we're proceeding. And so you're, you're getting into this, this, this is operating along different tracks. It, it's not just the competitive track. Uh, you know, when you're talking about universities, uh, you're also talking about the, the political ramifications, the uh, educational financial ramifications. And, and I think, you know, we've been talking about sports coming back here, but all of this works along two or three different tracks. None of this is just based on competitive realities and, and whatever. You're going to have uh, financial considerations and you're going to have political situations considerations in different parts of the country that you don't have in every other part you know and we touched on this a little bit I mean clearly Florida Texas uh, a few other states are positioning themselves of like well you know what we're we're business friendly if sports is going to come back and all other states won't clear uh, to allow their teams to come back in you know what we have a big 10 here we have the infrastructure we can we can get some of the teams in here so so we can still have a you can still have your Major League Baseball season or NFL season or hockey season. And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds because I, I think the political element of this uh, for all of these situations is, is going to be fascinating going forward. Yeah, here's, here's the thing that uh, – and I want to double down here when I was talking about in college sports. Um, frankly, most, most athletic departments would like to shrink their programs. 
they don't want to support all these programs. They don't want to support, no. you know, uh, wrestling and and um, and volleyball and and uh, you know soccer and all these these uh, sports that 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 don't generate any money. Uh, they'd just like to have football and basketball if they could. And 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 as the parent of of, uh, of two boys that played D three college sports uh, and and to and to see what that meant not only to them but to their teammates and to the entire experience of a college atmosphere to have kids on campus uh, and what that means. You know, it's like I, I, I did a column uh, today on the, uh, the death of, of uh, Gene Pouncey, a, a former great uh, sprinter. He and his brother, twins, they played at uh, uh, or they, they competed at SMU. They were from Lincoln. Uh, they were world-class sprinters. Uh, and and I watched a. It's been described as sublime writing, Kevin. Well, it was very nice of Mike Wilson to say that. But uh, they're a great story. They're they're two great men. Went on to become Dallas educators. Uh, they're two of the nicest guys you could ever imagine. Uh, as uh, Gene, who died, um, a friend of mine who's a football official, a local high school football official. Uh, reminded me that that Gene had been a high school football official. He said, you know, it's not often that the men in black and white are faster than the players. Uh, but at any rate, one of the things that I uh, looked up yesterday was a uh, an interview that uh, Gene did with uh, SMU for an oral history project. And uh, he was talking about uh, bringing diversity. And, you know, and, and so the Pouncey twins were at SMU uh, in the early 70s, which is still a very – uh, iffy time for race relations in, in Texas and and certainly in, in athletic programs and and these guys more than did their share to try to to make that as peaceful as possible and uh, but one of the things that Gene uh, brought up and it was, it was very striking to me and I he said you know it's important to have these sports on campuses because they bring diversity to the student populations if it, if it weren't for for all these different sports that everybody's playing and a lot of these places would be lily white and they would be uh, affluent kids uh, if you did not have all of uh, all of these different sports across the campuses. And, and I think that's a great point. Uh, and, and I think it, I, I would hate to see come out of this the elimination of lots of athletic programs across the board here. And, and yes, they do cost money. They're expensive to have. Uh, and, the, and they don't bring in money. And that's why football and basketball are important because they do pay the bills for all these other sports for the most part. Um, and, and that's going to be really difficult now going forward. I, I, I just see lots of problems coming up here. If, uh, if things can't be back to normal fairly soon, it's not going to take very long. You know, it only takes a few, few seconds to drown. We've already lost the money from the NCAA tournament, right? Basketball. And now, uh, you have a dramatic impact potentially with what happens in football and your entire economic model is torn asunder. And, you know, this doesn't sound good to say, but, but, but you're right. A lot of those sports are, I hate to say luxuries because they're not, because they're, they're an important part of the experience, but they can't support themselves. No. And it takes, it takes football and basketball to do it. And a lot of universities again, who are also going to be strapped with money, <laughs> you know, let's, let's talk about enrollment and, and on campus, uh, you know, filling your dorm rooms and, and housing on campus. It's not going to be there with this. Um, they're going to have to look at, 
at, at cutting some programs and costs. There's just no other way around it. And there are going to be uh, the, the athletic program. Look, it's not just going to be athletic programs of all these universities. It's going to be across the board. It's going to be in all the departments. And, uh, but, but the athletic department is going to have to uh, take on its share of the burden in this as well. And, and you're, going to, you're going to see a lot of programs lost. And, and then you're not just seeing programs lost. You're seeing, you know, student athletes who may not have the funds otherwise to be at that university who suddenly are now no longer at the university. Will scholarships be honored? Uh, how do you handle all of that? It's, uh, again, the, the tentacles and ramifications are this, or you, as soon as you touch on one issue, suddenly it leads you to about 10 more. Absolutely. Evan, do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, I, I think you guys make a very compelling argument. And I, I don't know, um, again, I don't know where any of this is headed, except that the one thing that keeps coming back to my mind is we're living in a world right now where, where key phrases are essential operations. Um, and as much as sports is vital to our lives, uh, and our, our experience, I think that what we are finding out is that very much sports are, you know, what they, where they should be. They're non-essential, they should be non-essential priorities. Um, and there may have to be some really difficult choices made by, by both the professional sports and by, and by colleges. And I think we've seen several schools already impose um, pay cuts for, for coaches. I think Les Miles uh, took a, a cut at Kansas. I think Bill Self did at Kansas, and so did Jeff Long, the athletic director. Yeah. Um, uh, I think some other schools have imposed those as well. Uh, and uh, there may be a new reality coming to the, the, whole economic of, the whole economics of sports. And I don't know that anybody would have any sympathy for that because there, there's a new economic reality coming across the country. Absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, the cuts that uh, that Jeff Long and Les Miles and Bill Self took supposedly were going to generate about a half a million dollars in, in uh, revenues for the athletic department. I don't know how far that's going to go. Uh, and, you know, uh, like it was a 10 percent salary cut for those guys. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, no, I think it was just 10. Uh, Five hundred thousand dollars is, you know, because those guys are making in the millions. Uh Anyway, whatever it was, it's 10 or 20%. I believe it was 10. Uh, that's going to be the least these guys are going to have to do, frankly. I, I think that, and, and what you could see here, I think there are just all kinds of ramifications here. You know, the Power Five football conferences, uh, rule football as it is, um, they have a very tenuous relationship with the NCAA as it is. Um, I, I could certainly see if they decided we're going to go out on our own here, uh, we're going we're gonna to pull away from the NCAA and have our own thing and just be responsible for ourselves. And, uh, and we're going to generate the money that's needed to do this. We're going to, you know, the, I could see coaches across the, across those conferences all taking pay cuts to try to finance what they're going to do for football. Uh, and if, and if that happens and if they don't turn those funds around for, for everybody else on campus and the, all the other athletic programs, well, there's, there's going to be some serious issues going forward. Uh, and then you then you'll see everybody on a D three model uh, in in the other sports other than football and basketball. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's I think that's certainly a possibility out there. I, I don't I'm not trying to be Mr. Gloom and Doom here. I just think that there are uh, some some serious things that are going to have to happen here 
fairly soon to make all this work again. Uh, agree. Agree. All right. I think that's going to do it for our gloom and doom podcast. Uh, uh, we also had a, uh, a Cowboys podcast. We talked about the draft this week. Uh, make sure you tune into that one as well. Um, maybe next week we'll have some uh, better news and some more definitive numbers. Uh, no, David says no. <laughs> well, no. we'll have more numbers, <laughs> but it won't be good news. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some more numbers. That's that's what I'd like to see happen here. I'd like to to know how many tests can be available, uh, when we can expect more tests to be available. These are the kind of things we have to know before they can m move forward. I, I know that these these organizations and these uh, these uh, these leagues are working in concert with federal officials and they, that's what they have said all along. So I'm, I'm assuming they have information that they're not necessarily releasing to us. And so we're gonna have to find out what these things are before we can get a better handle of what's going on. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks and we'll see you next time.